Hey, good morning, everyone. Today is a good day. I am so excited that we have seven that have given their lives to Christ and are going to be baptized at the end of the service. Can we thank the Lord for that? I'm excited about that. Thank you for all friends and families that have come to to witness this. We're just glad that you're here, and we're just excited. to. Probably the most exciting thing we do all year around is the baptismal service. So we're so glad you're here. Those of you who join us online, we're so glad that you're with us here today, and so we're excited to have you here uh, today. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a conversation with yourself? Have you ever had a conversation with yourself out loud? And then your spouse is like, who, who, or a friend, who are you talking to? You know, I'm just talking to myself, or you're in your car and you just talk out loud. Right? What, we're, what we're diving into in this latest series is Battleground, and we are looking at the battle of our minds. And what we've discussed last week, we kind of unpacked it last week of what the series would be. What we discussed is your greatest battles are not necessarily the things that are external or the things that happen from without, but it's the battle from within. And it amazes me how people, I love reading stories of how people have endured extreme obstacles in their lives and how they endured to get through it. What helped them get through these extreme obstacles? And, and I don't, listen, we all have pressure, we all have issues in our lives, but what helped people get through these extreme pressures in their lives and overcome these just amazing obstacles in their lives? And it really was a mind shift. It was a battle of the mind that helped them to get through the struggles of their life. And all of us have struggles. We all have things that go on in our mind that we can dwell on, that we can obsess about. The problem is, is when we obsess about those things and those things begin to grip our heart and our lives. And we're going to dive into a passage today that we talked about last week in Philippians chapter 4. And the Apostle Paul gives us the antidote to how we get through this life and through all the struggles in our life and how we can have peace to get through it. So we're going to look at the battle for peace. How many of you today, you just want some, just some peace and quiet in your life? How many, okay. So listen, let let me just blow the roof off the myth of just peace and how we gain peace because I think we have a misunderstanding about peace or how we gain peace. So uh, I want to blow the, the roof off that. There was a study that was done about anxiety. Did, I have to go back to all the time and remind myself. Many of the things that we worry about, how many you know, and this is true, never come true. So what they did, there was a study. They said that they studied these subjects and they said that 85% of those things that we worried about never came true. And they said the 15% that did, 79% of the subjects discovered either that they could handle the difficulty better than expected or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. This means that most of the things that we worry about are not much more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misinterpretations. And so this was an interesting study. And so what it comes down to is it comes down to this battle of our mind. So I want to just blow just the the lid off of the myth or the misunderstanding, the wrong ideas about peace. Because I believe that we can fight anxiety and we can fight our troubles the wrong way. So let's look at a couple, before we dive into Philippians chapter 4, let me give you a couple myths about peace. Number one, peace is not the lack of problems. How many of you know we are always going to have problems in our lives? How many, how many of you, you're sitting next to your problem? 
No, I'm just teasing. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> look at your neighbor and say, you're a problem, okay? So, so that, listen, <laughs> I just create a whole bunch of fights right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> listen, if you need counseling, call 1-800-PASTOR-BRANDON. He'll be more than glad to handle all your counseling. Um, so we, we think that if I just didn't have this problem in my life, then I could gain peace. But the reality is um, you are never going to have not have problems in your life. We're always going to have them. And, and the problem is we always think of the what-ifs. Like, you know, if, what if, what's going on in my life? The, the what-ifs. If, if only, you know, my kids weren't such a pain. Or if only I could get my life together. If only I had a better job. Or if only I had more money. Or if only the bills would finally win a Super Bowl. We all have those what-ifs, right? <laughs> Let's pray right now for a good season. Lord, help the bills. They need to win a Super Bowl. I can't take it anymore. Uh, so we all have those what-ifs. Those are never going to end. So peace is not the lack of problems. Secondly, peace, the myth about peace, is peace is not having the ideal circumstances. And I think the problem is there's this false reality that we believe that we're going to find this reality that, that we're always going to have or I can, I can find these perfect circumstances. You think I'll find peace if my circumstances are perfect, but how many know you're never going to be content. There's never going to be this contentment found in circumstances that are beyond God. And so we look for this contentment in the world that ultimately can never give it to us. The mistake we believe is, is believing that peace is external. If I could have this thing removed from my life, I would find peace. If I could just move to Hawaii, that might be true though. I don't know. That, that might be true in Hawaii. I don't know. But listen, you know, I try to instill this into my kids when they were young, how many of you know you're never going to have the ideal teacher? You're never going to have the ideal professor at college. You're never going to have, you know, the, the, the perfect boss. Um, Brandon, don't say amen. Um, you're, <laughs> your job is never going to be perfect. It's never going to be ideal. You're never going to have the perfect circumstances. Your kids are going to make mistakes. If we're, if we're looking for peace in those circumstances, we will never find it. And the third one is peace is not the absence of of stress. So the question is, we will always have stress in our life. There will always be stress ors in our lives. So the question is, how do we handle the stress? Every single one of us has some sort of stress that we have in our lives. We have to deal with it. We live in this world. We live in a broken world. And so we're always going to have some type of stress. So You know, all stress is not necessarily bad stress, but it's how do we not allow the stress to overtake our heart and to lose our direction and to allow anxiety to rule our heart instead of peace. So let's jump into Philippians chapter 4 and listen to what Paul says. This is incredible, and I want to give you the background to this verse because um, Paul writing these verses and under the circumstances that Paul was writing these verses will give you better insight to how powerful these verses are. So what does Paul say? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Okay, so all you old people that remember that song. And then he says, let, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And look what it says. And the peace of God, let's say that together. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then Paul gives us the road that we need to travel. 
He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And then he goes on to say again, and the peace of God, the God of peace will be with you. Now, I don't see one place in there that Paul says that you're going to have perfect circumstances or that your life is going to be perfect or to try to find peace in those situations. Paul says your peace is going to come from knowing God, from knowing Christ and what he's done for you. So let me give you some context here about this passage, some background to highlight how powerful this passage is and what Paul was enduring. Now, if anyone had reason to worry, it would be the would be the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians while he was in prison in Rome waiting for his death. Um, and this was actually the first church that Paul started in Europe, written around um, 60 AD. There's really no big problems in the church, but Paul just needed to address the church and encourage them in maturity and their relationship with Christ. So Paul says, I want you to, I, I want you to realize you're going to battle things in this world and I want you to battle them correctly and I want to encourage you on how to do those things. But what amazes me about this letter is in which the attitude in which Paul writes it. You would think someone who is in prison waiting for death would have a very depressing tone, not saying rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. You would think someone would have a much different tone, but that's not the case in this letter. Paul lived a very difficult life, close to death, stoned at times, shipwrecked, thrown out of towns, mocked in prison. But what kept Paul from despair? Because if you look at Paul's life, it, it was far from ideal. If you look at Paul's life, it was far from perfect circumstances. If you look at Paul's life, it wasn't the absence of any kind of problems that were in his life because everywhere Paul went, he caused problems by preaching the gospel of Jesus. He, Paul's life was, was many times in constant turmoil, but what kept him focused and not walking in despair? What kept him from losing hope in Christ? You see, despair is the complete loss or absence of hope. And it's so easy to look at our circumstances and the things that go around us and just to immerse ourselves in those things where it causes us to walk in despair and hopelessness. Paul's peace and joy didn't come from the lack of problems. Everything around him would have caused him to be anxious. So the question I want to pose to you this morning is this. How did Paul deal with the pressure and not allow worry to overtake his mind? How did he do that? How did Paul battle the temptation not to fall into hopelessness? And here's the answer. Paul was single-minded. He had a single-mindedness in his relationship with Jesus Christ. He focused on the right thing when he could have easily fallen into despair and allowed himself to be pulled in a million different directions Paul was single-minded in his hope. That is why he could write such encouraging words to the church in Philippi by saying, no matter what you may go through in your life, you can know the God of peace and he is there with you and he will help you in all your struggles. And so what do I mean by single-mindedness? Now, it, it doesn't mean that we will never have 
concerns or that we shouldn't be concerned about things in our life. What Paul is saying is saying, don't be anxious. So what does this mean? Well, we have a choice. We have a choice to worry about the what-ifs or we have a choice to be single-minded on what the Lord wants us to concentrate on. So the opposite of anxiety is single-mindedness. So what is worry? Let's define what worry is. Paul uses this word anxious or in some translations uh, not to be careful, to be careful about nothing. To worry means to be pulled literally in different directions or to be in pieces. That's what it means to worry. It's, It's overthinking to the point where it causes us to become overloaded. It causes us to become indecisive and unable to make decisions clearly. In fact, in the old English, the root of the word worry means to strangle. And what Paul realizes is that as our anxiety, not that we don't have anxious thoughts or not that worry doesn't enter into, it's not, he's not trying to fake us out. He's not trying to say, hey, don't worry. You shouldn't worry about anything because you're a follower of Jesus and you should never have worries and you should always be joyful in the Lord. Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord always again. It, it, that's not what Paul's saying. What Paul is saying is when these thoughts come, when anxiety grips your heart, when your brain gets in that battle with anxious thoughts or, or, or your past or past regrets, listen, every single one of us, we're messy. Can I get an amen? We're messy. We're messy. We live in a fallen world. And there's things that have happened to us. There's things that we've done. We live with regrets. Because when all those things come up and they try to battle who you are in Christ, and battle your identity. He says, you have a choice now that you can turn to Christ and find your peace now, knowing that your heart is made right. And so that doesn't mean that we're never going to have anxious thoughts or we're never going to have concerns. What Paul is saying is don't allow those concerns to strangle your life, to cause the joy of the Lord and what Christ has done for you to be sucked out of your life. Because how many of us know that when we are in Christ Jesus, the word of God says that we are new creations. Behold, all things become new. Our future is wonderful in Christ Jesus, even when our circumstances don't match that. Our future is bright in the Lord Jesus. And so Paul here, what's interesting, that Paul uses this word anxiety, or to be careful for nothing, Um, It's interesting that he uses the same word that Jesus uses to describe a situation that he was in uh, when he was at Mary and Martha's house. If you guys remember the story, Jesus invited to dinner. You got Mary and Martha. If you remember the story, Martha's the one that's doing all the work. She's running around and she's taking care of everything and she's cooking the pot roast and she's got the biscuits in the oven and she's making the sweet tea. She's doing everything. And what's Mary doing? Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus and so Martha's getting pretty perturbed. She's like, you know, Jesus, Mary's not doing anything. I'm making everything. And why she's just sitting at your feet? So it's just, it's this, you know, the sisters are getting into it a little bit. And, and, and Jesus, he doesn't rebuke uh, Martha, but he just kind of talks to her heart. And I want you to look at this story in, in, in Luke, Luke chapter 10 of Jesus speaking to Martha's heart about what's most important. So here's what happens. They're talking. Mary and Martha are just, they're, they're arguing. They're, they're getting into it. Martha's running around, distracted with so much to do, worried about the dinner. However, Mary is listening and she's sitting, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus answers Martha and, and, and she's complaining that Mary's not helping And listen to what Jesus said. This is what he says. Jesus answers Martha by saying, Martha, you are anxious 
and troubled by many things. It, it's not that the dinner is not important, because the dinner had to be made, right? It's, people are hungry. It's not that that wasn't important. But the dinner that you're preparing is making you crazy. It's making you anxious. You're missing the main point. Literally, you are in pieces. You are distracted. You're being pulled in a million different directions. And then Jesus says to Mary that she found the one thing that was necessary. Mary was the one that was single-minded. Not that she wasn't concerned about the dinner, but she found the one thing that was most important. And that was sitting at the feet of Jesus. How many of you, it's hard for you to enjoy your vacation sometimes? Right? You're sitting there and you've got so many things. I mean, sometimes I'll just sit in my backyard and I'm looking out over my backyard and I just want to enjoy it. And then I'm out in my backyard picking weeds. And Kathleen's like, Bard, what are you doing out there? Just relax. I go, well, there's these weeds and these need to be picked up. Have you ever been on vacation like a rental house and you see something that's broken and you feel you've got to fix it? That's my dad. I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? Well, this thing's broken and I just got to fix it. But listen, we, we don't need to fix, let the other people fix it. It's, sometimes it's hard for us to enjoy those things because we're so easily distracted. It's not, that, it's not that those things aren't important. What Jesus is saying to Martha is there's one thing that's most important. And the reason why you're anxious and the reason why you're troubled is because you need to find the main thing. And I'm the main thing. And Mary chose that. So he wasn't rebuking her. He was speaking to her heart. The dinner had to be served But what's the point? Martha had misplaced priorities, and it wasn't that Mary was lazy, but she found the one thing. And I want to ask you a question. Have you found the one thing? You see, Martha was pulled in a million different directions, and she had a hundred different concerns, and Jesus was one of those concerns with all the others. But Jesus says Mary found what was most important, and that was me. So Jesus is saying, Martha, listen, you've got a hundred different things you're worried about, and and I'm one of those hundred things, yet you will be troubled until you are single-minded. And so Mary found the one thing in Jesus. So much of our anxiety and our trouble comes from misplaced priorities, don't they? You're anxious, you're troubled, we're not focused. It's because that anxiety and the trouble of this world begins to strangle us. And there are a hundred different things we could be focused on. The worries and the cares of this world will choke the promises of God out of your heart every single time. And Jesus wanted Martha to know that he was a good God. That he didn't want her to be distracted by the things of this world. You see, I want to tell you, there's two things you can do. You can listen to your heart or you can talk to your heart. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Have you ever listened to your heart and that got you into trouble many times, right? You, you listen to your heart. We can get worked up listening to our heart about all the what-ifs. Like, how is this going to work out? How, 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 how do I know what to do in this particular situation? We listen to our heart, we get all worked up. But I want to tell you, the Word of God tells us to speak to your heart. Those times when you feel most anxious and stressed out, we have the word of God to turn to that says, no, I can take captive those anxious thoughts that are coming to my life and I can actually speak to my heart. I love this psalm. Listen to Psalm 42, 5. This is what the psalmist says. He's so honest, so raw. He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? 
Have you ever felt that way? Like, man, why am I down? Why is my heart so sad at times? Listen, there is so much junk sometimes in our hearts and it causes us to become sad and stressed out. And the Lord says, listen, this is what I want you to do. And I love what the psalmist says. He says, but this is what I'm going to do. I can dwell in that, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my hope in God and I will praise him again and again and again for my Savior. You see, what a relationship with Jesus Christ says. He changes your identity and he heals your past. He heals all that pain. And when we're honest and raw and vulnerable before God, he takes all of that. Can I just say this? God can handle your stuff. He can handle it. And the reason I think why we don't find peace in our life is because we don't trust Jesus enough to handle our stuff. Jesus says, listen, I died on the cross for all your stuff. All the stuff that's happened to you, all the mistakes that you made, I died to all that messiness, all that stuff. He can handle it. And he's the one that can bring you complete healing in your life. And so unless we're vulnerable, unless we're, we're, we can trust the Lord w- with our lives, listen, do you trust him with your life? Because what I end up doing is I'm like, I feel okay and I'll give the Lord something and something will come up and then I'm like, okay, I got to worry about this. You know, and the Lord says, no, no, no. It's not that I don't want you to think about this. It's not that I don't want you to be concerned about this. But I don't want the anxiousness and the stress to overtake your heart and to rob the promises and the joy that I desire to give to you. And I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. Do you trust me enough to give this to me? How, parents, how, how many parents you get this with your kids? It doesn't matter how old your kids get. You still worry about them. I think the worst thing we ever got was an app to know where our kids are all the time. <laughs> I, I used to think that was a good thing at the beginning, you know, because then I went to call where you guys are, but it's like I tend to check it a lot. I can see how fast they're driving on 104. It's a pretty cool app, by the way. If you want it, I'll, I'll talk about it. But sometimes it's like, if they're not moving in their stop, like in the middle of 104, because sometimes the GPS, I'm like, are they okay? Did something happen? Did they get in a car wreck? I mean, should I text them? You know, I mean, it's, we all battle with it, don't we? It doesn't matter how old your kids are. Listen, listen. You were never designed to handle the stress and the anxiety of this world. Jesus says to us, And I love what Peter says. Cast all your care and your anxiety on him for he cares for you. You were never designed to to battle that on your own. That's why we're so stressed out. That's why we lack peace because we try to handle it on our own and we can't do it. So the answer that Paul gives the Philippians is that prayer causes us to be single-minded. It it causes us to fix our hearts on Christ. That There's a great exchange that happens here, which I love. And this is what you need to do. I, I would tell you this week, think about the one thing that has you most concerned or most anxious and give that to the Lord. And this is what I would tell you to do. Don't stop praying. Don't stop giving it to the Lord. Because there's a great exchange that happens here, Paul says. He says, Be anxious for nothing. Not that we're not going to be anxious, but he says, be anxious for nothing. But what does he tell us to do? But in everything, with thanksgiving, in prayer, give your request to God and the peace 
of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard what? Your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there's a great exchange that happens now. Now what I can do is I can give that thing to the Lord, knowing that in return, God is going to give us his peace through Christ Jesus. Listen, some of you, you, you might be here today and you're like, Pastor, I just don't, I don't feel that, that peace. I want to tell you this morning, it starts with having peace with Christ. It's got to start there. See, what Jesus does is he comes to reconcile us back to a right relationship with God. None of us in this place deserve it. None of us merit it. We're all on the same playing field. Amen. We're just as messed up as the next person. We're all problems. You're sitting next to your problem. We're all problems. But listen, Jesus came to fix it for us that we couldn't fix ourselves. And so what the word of God says is that through Christ Jesus, he reconciles us back to God. And the brokenness that is in our hearts left because of sin, Jesus comes to deal with through his life, through his perfect life. And he reconciles us by giving his life for us on the cross. And through his precious blood, we are now cleansed. And so it starts there by having a right relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus did everything for us. He doesn't expect us to do anything because we can't do it on our own. We need a savior. And so no matter what we go through in this life, Paul is encouraging us. The reason why I can get through it is because I was single-minded. I put my trust in the Lord. I put my heart and everything into Jesus Christ, my Savior. That's what gives me hope to get through the, just the circumstances and the things of this world. I just want to finish with this, and then we're going to baptize those seven people. I'm excited about that. Um, let me finish with this verse. I love this verse that Paul gives in Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite ones. Here's what Paul says. He says, listen, Paul, who's been shipwrecked, almost killed many times for his faith, he says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want, you to tell you, I want you to tell yourself this. What's the worst thing that can happen to me? The word of God says we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. He conquered this world on your behalf. So no matter what we may go through in this world, we have a bright hope and a future in Christ Jesus, who's our conqueror. So what we do is we hide ourselves in him and we give our anxiety to him. And we give our pains and our hurts to him who is the ultimate healer of our lives. So I want to ask you a question today. What's what's the one thing in your life? What's that one thing that you're struggling with? What's the one thing that's most important to you? What's the thing that you think about the most? What's the thing you think about when you wake up, when you go to bed, during the day, when you get anxious? What are the things that you think about the most? And I would tell you, you have an advocate in Christ Jesus. It says, you were not meant to handle that yourself. Now, you may wake up tomorrow and that problem is still going to be there. Amen? But when you see it through a different set of lenses now, it says, I can go to the Lord now and I could lay that thing at his feet. And in return, I know the Lord can give me his peace. Do you trust the Lord enough with your life 
to say, I can trust you, Jesus, with my heart, knowing that you know what's best for me. Do you trust him today? God is sovereign. He's in control. And he's big enough to handle all your anxiety. Amen? Let's be single-minded, church. Can we be single-minded? Let's focus on the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray for you this morning just before uh, we, we do our baptismal service. I'm going to pray for you today. Would you bow your hearts with me today? And for those of you that, that just are struggling today, let, let me encourage you to be single-minded, to lay that thing at Jesus' feet and allow him to bring your peace, to bring you his peace today. Father God, as we bow our hearts before you, we realize that Every single one of us in this place, we all struggle with things in our lives. But we thank you, Jesus, that you're big enough to handle all our struggles, our shortcomings, our sin, the things that have happened to us, the things that we've done to others. Lord, you're able to handle that. We, we give that to you today. And we pray, Lord, for the things that we struggle with the most, the things that, that cause the most anxiety in our hearts. Lord, we weren't meant to handle that. And and I pray, Lord, that we would be single-minded. Just as Jesus said to Martha, Mary has chosen the right thing. Lord, may we find ourselves sitting at your feet when we feel overwhelmed. May we find ourselves worshiping you when the circumstances aren't ideal. May we find ourselves worshiping you when problems arise in our lives. And we know that in return you will walk with us, that you will give us a peace that passes all understanding, that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you are Lord over our minds. I thank you, Lord, that you are perfect in every way. So, Lord, we thank you for your goodness today and how you love us. We give our lives to you and we thank you, Lord, that we can trust you with our lives because you're a trustworthy Savior. Lord, we just pray for those that are being baptized now. We thank you for their lives. We celebrate with them that, Lord, they have asked you to, to come into their lives. Lord, we thank you for changed hearts and lives. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's children said, amen, amen, amen. God is good, amen, amen.